Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast, everyone. Sorry for the delay in putting out an episode. I've been trying to figure out the best time to do that. I'll get into a little bit of that in a second, but what a great Australian Open it has been. Hopefully, for most of you, we've all forgotten about the Djokovic situation and we've had the opportunity to just really enjoy the tennis because it has been pretty awesome, pretty unpredictable as... Um, many of us probably expected considering there was no Djokovic and considering how the ladies draw tends to go um before we get started with all of that if you love the show which I think a lot of you do though based on the way you engage with us on our socials please like share and subscribe write a review for us it really helps us out helps other people find the show if you'd like to support us more directly, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Ready Play Tennis Podcast. You can also purchase some merch from our Shopify store. All of that you can find in the show notes and uh, through our um, link tree in IG. For the tennis, this last week, week and a half, I've really tried to develop a strategy and I don't know why I haven't quite figured this out, but... I've kind of always done this. The tennis starts 7 p.m. our time Eastern. Watch a little bit before bed, two or three hours maybe. Get up a little bit earlier. Tended to be around 5 a.m. Uh, depending on the matches, sometimes even earlier than that to catch up uh, before you know reviewing all the social and getting all the results and being annoyed because if you listen to the show, you know... I'm pretty much a purist when it comes to wanting to watch tennis. Use that magic fast forward button. Nadal is like a six times fast forward in between points. Someone like Daniil is two to three because he plays a little bit faster. But having that sort of flow has helped me try and keep up with some of the tennis. Obviously, it makes it a challenge to find the best opportunity to record because... You watch the tennis late in the evening, watch some in the morning, then you got to pay the bills, and then the tennis starts again. So it's really tough to try and find time to really figure out when you're going to offer up this episode. But here we are. It is Thursday morning. Just for you, I have... Well, and for myself too, I think I've decided to avoid watching the ladies' semifinals. Um, that is because the purist in me wants to watch them, and uh, wanting to get you an episode that talks about the results uh, after the quarterfinals. My goal was to try and get you an, a quarterfinals episode analysis and recap, but didn't quite get there. So here we are. 
Traditionally, this is the episode where Aldwin and I would talk about how our picks uh, went down for the quarterfinals. True to form, they kind of sucked. Um, let's be honest. Uh, if you listened last week, I had, you know, Cam Nori, I had Alcarez, Karetsev, Dimitrov, Rublev, all of those guys making the fourth round. Uh, they didn't quite make it past the third round. Some of them didn't make it past the first round. I also had Tommy Paul having the ability to take advantage of the Djokovic absence. He was not able to do that, but the serve Kecmanovic was able to make the fourth round, which is pretty amazing since he would have taken on Djokovic in the first round. So needless to say, it's often hard to predict. I did a little bit better with the men's draw um, of the the 16 uh, the round of 16 picks i i chose nine so that was pretty solid but of those nine only three of them made the quarterfinals for the ladies um always do a little bit worse uh, i got seven of 16 and two of those seven uh, made the quarterfinals so we'll go through all of that in honor of the Canadians who are listening today, it's probably best that we start there and the heartbreak of Felix's loss to Daniil Medvedev. What a great tournament for him. Obviously in that match, I had my doubts. He has struggled against Medvedev. The last two slams lost to him, well, lost to him at the US Open, lost to him at the ATP Cup for in love really has had no answers for Daniil and his game. He is obviously a wall, gets all all the balls back. But FAA proved to be a wall himself in the match, at least in those first two sets. What he was able to do really well was obviously keep the ball in the court, uh, handled the side-to-side rallies really well. When Daniil had him on the move, he was able to reset the point better than I've seen him do against Daniil in the past. He served really well, obviously, so all of that really helped him to win those first two sets. I think Daniil does his thing. Daniil gets back into the match. He figures out answers. He's open to try new things. And, you know, this is obviously if he does not get him in his own head and show his frustrations. He was starting to do that a little bit, but uh, was able to just try and find some solutions, stay in the points longer, serve a little bit better, and just continue to sort of chip away at the resolve of FAA in that match. FAA had a match point in the fourth set, was unable to convert. FAA had two break points to bring it back to five all uh, in the fifth set and was unable to convert. Admittedly, as it was going into the third set, thought FAA was going to win. And uh, unfortunately, that did not happen. But I think we can all agree FAA played tremendous tennis this entire tournament. It was not the result that he had hoped for. Um, But Medvedev is just uh, too good in these sorts of situations, in these moments, and was able to figure it out. I remembered, obviously, back to his match with Nadal, which he wasn't able to win in five sets at the US Open in 2019, but mounted a comeback that was just uh, amazing, 
in its in just all the things that he tried to do that were different that cost him the first two sets against Nadal. So Medvedev is one tough customer for sure. Um, I think we're starting to see sort of this generational thing. So obviously we have Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, who are leaders of the sport. And then we had this other generation of the Nishikoris, the Raonic, Kevin Anderson, Chilich that were the Favrenkas who were able to make a little bit of a dent uh, to those guys. Now we have the sort of new gen that is about to make their mark um, because that other generation wasn't able to. The Medvedevs, the teams, the Zverevs, the Tsitsipas. And then there's the now the newer generation that's trying to track up with them and uh, also take out the big three. So, you know, the Rublevs, the... Um, Sinners, Dennis, Felix, uh, Fritz, perhaps you could include in there some of these Americans. So it's an interesting time. Obviously, tennis will be fine once the big three are gone. We've only got one, and that's Nadal, so we'll be talking about him as well. But kudos to FAA on a great tournament. I actually thought he would struggle a bit more against Chilich, who has played really well, um, but was able to take him out in four sets. So we'll see. He's had a good start to the year, obviously, having won the ATP Cup and now making the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. So we'll see what happens this year. I mean, we've dogged him for not being able to convert and win a title. He sort of has one with the ATP Cup, which is a more of a team event. But he will, I believe, get his singles title uh, this year at... Uh, at some event, and hopefully it's one of the 500s or 1000s, so we can uh, give him a, a good start in a big, uh, at a big event. The other Canadian we should probably talk about uh, would be Denis Shapovalov. Tough match, tough loss against Nadal. Obviously, it ended uh, in a bit of controversy, which is uh, a lot of what is being talked about now in terms of what he said. He said 100% that he felt uh, players like Nadal get favoritism from the umpires in terms of their ability to take uh, breaks and medical timeouts. Not sure what all you guys think about that. I mean, it's hard to prove in these instances. Dennis called the umpire corrupt, which is a bit perhaps over the line and over the top. Uh, especially when it was just in the second set. Uh, De Dennis was able to um, mount a comeback, which I think was impressive. I don't know if he noticed that Nadal seemed to be struggling in the heat, but um, kudos to him for being able to mount a comeback. I think most of us who were watching that match had hoped that Dennis was able to pull it out, but Nadal was able to overcome and developed the three love lead in the fifth set that was insurmountable at that point but uh, back to the press conference and what he said be interested to hear what you guys think of all of that I did see some social comments that people think he acted immaturely I mean at, on match point he smashed his racket on the court and then left it so there was some common commentary there you know, Nadal has had some history with that particular umpire, Bernardis. Um, I don't remember exactly 
which tournament it was, but he had an encounter with that umpire, which resulted in him not umpiring Nadal's matches for a lengthy period of time. So obviously there is some influence there in terms of being able to have influence on who umpires your matches, which you wouldn't think would happen and is happens quietly. So perhaps Dennis has a point in some of those instances, but the bathroom break rule and the changing your clothes rule um, alongside the medical timeout rule, I just seems like there's some gray area. I don't know why that tends to be with some of these players. I think they just feel like in certain moments they have advantages in the match and players use some gamesmanship with the medical timeouts and now with the bathroom breaks and the change of clothes breaks in order to recover um, and try to, you know, change the momentum, I think, for players like Dennis. And, And he was not appreciative of that. Hopefully, in hindsight, he'll realize that maybe he was a bit over the line calling the umpire corrupt. Some have called for him to be fined. I guess that that should probably happen. I don't know. But um, Dennis did have a great tournament. He had a great win over Zverev in straight sets. That was um, his easiest match, surprisingly. It was a good tournament for the Canadian men. Hopefully they're able to build on that uh, this year. Chapeau himself only still has one title, so I think it would be lovely to see each of them, Chapeau and FAA, pick up a couple of titles this year. Speaking of Nadal, prior to his showdown with Dennis and five sets, he's probably had the easiest road into now the semifinals. He had his fourth round match against Manorino, obviously a tricky opponent, but won that in straight sets. Had um, Hatchinoff in the third round, which was a four set match, but his road to the semifinals, other than his chapeau uh, encounter, were fairly straightforward. He is obviously the only guy at the Australian Open vying for his 21st Grand Slam title. He's now into the semifinals to face Matteo Berrettini. Sorry, Berrettini. Uh, Matteo has had several tough matches. A five-setter against Alcaraz, a five-setter against Monfils. Having come off of you know an injury to his thigh and an injury to his ab at the World Tour Finals, you would think that he would be struggling a bit more physically, but he is in beast mode i would say so it looks to be an interesting counter in the semifinals. it's a tough one to call but i'm going to take nadal over berrettini nadal has been playing really well he will have had three days to recover from that match against chapo i'm not sure when his encounter will be scheduled but i do pick nadal to go over berrettini and make the final in the other section, I had picked Sinner over Sitsipas, but Sitsipas destroyed Sinner in straight sets. I think it was three, four, and two. That was a surprise to me because both, uh, sorry, Sinner has played really well and Sitsipas hasn't played 
tremendously well this tournament. He had a five-set match against Fritz, had a few other challenges in earlier rounds, so it was a surprise to see Sinner go out so easily, but he really had no answers, and Tsitsipas played amazing. So interesting, that sets up an interesting semifinal with Medvedev, who we already talked about. Obviously, we know a little bit about their history. Uh, they don't seem to like each other. They came up around the tour on the same time and were a bit friendly, but had an encounter in Miami and then have said not so great things about one another. Tsitsipas has called Medvedev's game boring in the past. So always an interesting encounter. I think Medvedev has had Tsitsipas's number um, more than the other way around. We'll see how Medvedev's able to recover from his five-set match with FAA. I will pick Medvedev uh, in this match, setting up a Nadal-Medvedev rematch from the 2019 US Open. That would be hard to pick. I mean, I think people's sentimental favorite will obviously be Nadal because everyone expected that Djokovic would be the first to reach 21. And it would be somewhat of a miracle, a bit of, you know, irony, I guess, a bit of fate that Nadal reached 21 first. I think this will be Medvedev's time to solidify himself as one of the top players in the world and win his second Grand Slam in a row. He's been very close, obviously, at the Australian Open, making the final last year. But I do think um, this will be Medvedev's time. Clearly, Nadal struggled in his match against Dennis, and that could continue. He's had struggles at that particular round a lot at the Australian Open. I mean, I attended the Australian Open in 2018, and I saw him retire from his quarterfinal match against Cilic that year. So the fact that he's made it this far is pretty incredible, considering the injuries he's had. So we'll see what he's able to accomplish. Perhaps it's a long shot, my pick, that he'll go um, take out Berrettini. But I do think that will happen. I do think that final with Medvedev will happen. But I think I'm going to pick Medvedev in four sets. And Medvedev holds up the trophy. What do we want to talk about in terms of some of the other men? Um, it's probably worth talking about Gael Monfils. I had picked him to reach the quarterfinals, which he did. He was obviously impressive in the lead-up uh, in one of the warm-up events, taking the, the title. He's 35 years old, so for I think to many surprise, he's he hasn't made it beyond a semifinal in a slam. He is one of the most athletic guys on the tour, but sometimes that doesn't translate to the overall fitness and his ability to make it through a seven-match two-week Grand Slam best three out of five. He made easy work, I think, in his first three or four rounds and then ran into Berrettini, and that was a long slog, five-set match. I watched the tail end of it, and uh, Monfils, I think, had his chances in that match, but Berrettini came through. be interesting to see what happens the rest of the season for Monfils. I think after the match, he talked about wanting to continue to do the work and continue to continue to vie in these slams. So we'll see what happens for him. Dimanur made a, a nice run into the fourth round. He's one of those guys who came up with, you know, Sinner and um, 
what's his name? <laughs> I'm forgetting. Our friend who withdrew from the tournament early on. Anyway, I'll remember it later. But he came up with all of those guys and uh, Sinner as well. Oh, Casper Root. That's who I was thinking of. So he came up with all those guys and um, maybe has been a bit of the underachiever, a guy who gets every ball back. So we'll see what happens for him. Hopefully he can make some moves and, and inc improve his ranking because he has been higher than he was ranked in the Australian Open. Taylor Fritz is another guy. Can't quite make it past the fourth round, but is slowly making progress. Again, had that five-set match with um, Tsitsipas. So... We'll see what happens uh, with him as well. Another guy we talked about in the last episode was Maxime Cressy. He made a fourth round, so that's pretty impressive after his final appearance in the Melbourne warm-up. Medvedev was a bit flummoxed by his game, was saying some not-so-nice things out loud during that match, saying that Cressy had basically a horseshoe up his ass um, from hitting lines and whatnot. Not a cool vibe from Medvedev. I think that's what rubs people the wrong way about him and is getting people to maybe lean him into the Djokovic territory. I obviously love Medvedev. I think his game is crazy good and he's a good personality for the sport. But um, yeah, I think some people... Um, find him annoying and and he rubs people the wrong way but this this block was not about medvedev it was about cressy another american uh up and coming in the game sort of late blooming i guess i think he's 24 or 25 which i guess is not so late but uh nice to see and hope to see more of him his game is uh unique i guess these days in that it's serving volley uh, so it's nice to see another player. And again, as I said last week, he's easy on the eyes. So that's always good as well. Okay, over to the ladies. I think all of us were eyeing that top part of the draw with Barty and Osaka and salivating over that potential encounter. But Anisimova had other ideas and said, uh-uh, sweetie. Nuh-uh, not today. I have to say it was perhaps one of the best matches of the tournament for sure. Just watching how hard those ladies hit the ball in that match was incredible. Anisimova, it's nice to see her making a turnaround. It's hard to believe that she's only 20. I kind of think of her as a little bit more um, seasoned on the tour and just someone who fell off a little bit, but she is still very young. Sort of in the Raducanu, Leila Fernandez category in terms of still up and coming and emerging as a player. What I was so impressed with in that match was her ability to redirect the ball where she wants it to go off of Osaka's heavy pace. And just the, the amount of lines that were being painted in that match. I think if, if anybody saw it, you know how incredible that was. I really appreciated Osaka's comments at the end of that match in the post-match interview. And she seems very at ease with losing now, which um, is obviously a good place to be. I know some commentators and, and tennis analysts don't think that she'll necessarily have the same success going forward. But I think the ease in which she is, you know, taking these losses and the ease in which she commented on the 
downturn in her ranking that will result from her third round loss. I think all of that stuff hopefully will prove to be um, a plus for her game and for her mental state as she continues. We obviously know that Osaka is somebody we need for the sport. She's good for the sport. She's an amazing champion. So we'll look forward to seeing her back and, and hopefully seeing her relaxed and, and hopefully you're seeing her play in more events. Obviously last year she didn't play a ton. Uh, she's traditionally, I think, not played a lot of the smaller events, but she, I believe, is also someone who would benefit from uh, playing more tournaments that would help to sort of build up her confidence and, you know, allow her to perhaps feel more confident on surfaces where she's had less success, which would be all of all of them except uh, the hard courts. But it was nice to see her relaxed um, and her comments uh, in in the loss. Um, in the next round, Anisimova ran into the Barty train, the Barty party, which will continue on to the finals, in my opinion. She is one of the players that we've talked about for a long time, except early on in our show run when we forgot that she was number one in the world because she was nowhere to be found. But she is clearly the best player in the game on the women's side right now, has all of the weapons uses that slice really well has power and pop on her forehand very good serve for someone her size so watch out for her australia she will likely be taking home the trophy on saturday it's hard to see anyone beating her in the semifinals we have her against keys what an amazing run it has been for Madison Keys. Again, another player like Osaka who has sort of let some of the pressures release and has benefited from that and played really, really well. Uh, she dominated Bedosa, another player who you kind of feel could lean or, or get into that Barty lane in terms of consistency, just how well she's playing. But Keys was like, uh-uh no sweetie you're going down and took her out in straight sets in defense of Bedosa she looked a little bit hobbled uh, in that match physically throughout the tournament or as the tournament has gone on it has gotten a little bit hotter each and every day so that has certainly impacted the players particularly ones who've had to play in the hot afternoon so kudos to Keys for just going through the draw having that tough uh, second round win that went to a super tie break and now making it to the semifinals again I think that bodes well for her confidence going into the rest of 2022 and it's just really nice to see another player who was playing well until the fourth round was Azarenka and then she ran into Krajikova she was really dominating in the first three rounds she clearly had other things to do because she was getting off the court very early. I was doing posts on social uh, saying things like she had places to be when she won her third round match, two in love or love and two. And then, um, yeah, she ran into Krajikova, who's, who, who is tough. Another person who's able to sort of pick her spots, doesn't have necessarily a ton of power, but has a lot of weapons and is tough to sort of read on the court. So it was nice to see Azarenka play well. It was, I think, odd for many who had been watching her first few matches to see 
her go down so easily in that match against Krajikova, but hopefully Azarenka's solid play will continue into 2022. Some of the surprises, I think, in and early exits were Coco Goff going out in the first round. Uh, the player that shall not be named still, <laughs> I guess, who did not make it past the second round, but her fellow countrywoman would make it to the quarterfinals, that being Kaya Kanepi. So that was kind of cool. We can't talk about the ladies without talking about Alize Cornet. 63rd Grand Slam appearance. That is pretty incredible, and that's consecutive. And for this to be her first quarterfinal, that's pretty incredible. Just talks about, I guess, the perseverance of an elder stateswoman like Cornet. I think she's 32 or 33, so she's obviously been on the tour since her early her, her late teens. Took out, she was a giant killer, taking out Halep, taking out Mugu. Who else did she take out? She took out Zdancic. Zdancic was pretty much in control in that third round match. Everyone knows I love me a Zdancic moment. Um, but she was able to claw her way back in that match. So nice to see. She obviously has a good record against certain players. I think she's beaten Serena a couple times in the past. If you watched the first round of Wimbledon, she easily beat Bianca Andreescu in 2021. So she is a tough player uh, not a ton of weapons but does get a lot of balls back so it's just nice to see her make the quarterfinals of a slam Halep was playing really well obviously so nice to see her um, having recovered from her injury our little jalapeno will definitely uh, be coming back and her making her way onto the clay and into the summer season so who else should we talk about here Looks like I dipped into the bottom half of the ladies' draw. We can't talk about that section without talking about Danielle Collins, Danimal herself. What a beast she is, making another semifinal at a slam at the Australian Open, to be precise. That match against Elise Mertens was, I would say, a close runner-up to one of the top matches of the tournament. Just the relentlessness of some of those points were incredible. Mertens is obviously a tough customer, but Collins was able to overcome in three sets. I think that match went over three hours. Collins' backhand is amazing. I want it. <laughs> she is just phenomenal. It's great to see again another player come back from injury and and do really well. Her mode on the court is she does not give two f's about anyone she just wants to demolish her opponent i love watching her uh, i know aldwin loves watching her so great to see her into the semi-final and we'll see what happens i think she has her chances against sviantek who is also playing really really well so it'll be a pretty dynamic match to watch a lot of power in that match Sviantek I think has a few more weapons and a bit more ability to place the ball where she wants so we'll see how this goes it's nice again to see a player like Sviantek finding her way on the hard courts I think people had some skepticism that she'd be able to do that but she's got a lot of weapons and is really going to be an all-court player 
So a good semifinal matchup, I would pick Sviantek if I'm being honest, but would not be surprised if Collins makes her first Grand Slam final. Again, if it's Barty and Collins, I am going to pick Barty. If it's Barty and Sviantek, I'm going to pick Barty. It's going to be a Barty party on Saturday, and it will be her first Australian Open title, her third Slam title, and her solidifying herself as a true champion and true all-court player, and I think the next real dominant player on the ladies' side. Before we go, some other players of note worth chatting about. Arena Sabalenka has obviously struggled the last few weeks with her serve, and it was hard to see her getting to the fourth round, but she was able to accomplish that and ended up losing to Kaya Kanepi. But Sabalenka's issues are issues I'm sure a lot of us have dealt with. Players like Zverev have dealt with it. So we'll see what happens for her the rest of the season. Clearly there's something in her motion and um, with the acceleration or deceleration on her second serve that she needs to figure out. Uh, It's not something that she won't overcome, but it'll be interesting to just see how it impacts the rest of her season or at least the next couple of months as the sort of hardcore season in uh, Miami and the, the repeat Indian Wells take shape. Hopefully it's nothing that lasts too long for her. We want her to do well and we want to see her continue to make deep runs and eventually win those those big matches in the Grand Slams. The other two ladies uh, that I wanted to chat about were uh, mentioned a little bit earlier in comparison to Anisimova, and that's Leila Fernandez and Emma Raducanu. Leila would go out in the first round um, against an Australian player, I believe, and then Emma Raducanu lost in the second round, a three-set match. We talked about this last week, wondering sort of what would take shape for these two ladies, having been U.S. Open finalists, Emma Raducanu being the U.S. Open champion. Obviously, they're still finding their form. They're still finding their place. It was an extraordinary accomplishment to have made the final and for Emma to be a champion so fast, to have win 10 matches, be the first qualifier to ever be a Grand Slam champion. So we'll see what happens for these ladies going forward. We've talked about the off-court things that are happening for these ladies in terms of endorsements and opportunities to attend events. So hopefully those kinds of things don't distract from their play on the court. I kind of sense that for someone like Layla, it may not, but for someone like Emma, it may have an impact. So we'll see. We talked a little bit about the fact that Emma seemed to make a, a perhaps a rash decision in dumping the coach that was with her when she became U.S. Open champion. So obviously we want the best for these two players. For us Canadians, we particularly want great things for Layla. And being the duo who were so fortunate to interview Layla, who said to us that her goal for the end of last year was to be in the top 10, we do hope that that comes to pass for her in 2022. So hope you all enjoy the Australian Open and the semifinals and finals. Again, my picks are for a Barty party on Saturday and a Medi Ready 
on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But I pick Barty and Medvedev. Be interested to hear, obviously, if we were to sit down and have a beer about your picks and how you did with your quarterfinal picks and whether you ended up picking the winner. Share with us on Instagram all of those things and do enjoy the rest of the Australian Open. Bye. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.